welcome, welcome, welcome to the first ever episode of Rock the Boat. I'm your host, Liam Boatsmith, and I will be covering everything from the NBA, NHL, NFL, uh, UFC, soccer, really anything you can think of. If there's a big story, I'll be talking about it and giving my thoughts on it. Specifically for today, this is being recorded on Tuesday, October 24th. So I'll be revisiting last night's ALCS Game 7, giving my prediction for tonight's NLCS Game 7, as well as the World Series, which begin next week, I believe. And then secondly, NHL season is pretty well underway. All the teams have played like four to six-ish games. Uh, so I'll be looking at some of the early surprises of the season and giving my, giving my thoughts on those. And then lastly, I'll give my predictions for the NBA season, including my finals prediction, MVP, and all those other awards, most improved, stuff like that. Mixed in with those topics, there's going to be two special segments that I will explain further once I get to them. So, moving right along to topic number one, last night's ALCS Game 7. The Rangers blew out the Astros 11-4 on the back of two Adolis Garcia homers. He closed out the series with five homers in the final four games and won the MVP, which is pretty crazy seeing as he was, I think he was traded there in like 2019 and then designated for assignment, I think, or maybe in 2020, uh, somewhere around there. Um, he cleared waivers by every other team and then came back with the Rangers. And now he is the ALCS MVP, which is pretty crazy. There's no repeat for the Astros. They go out in Game 7. I mean, I can't really feel too bad for them. They cheated a few years ago, and they won again last year, and I, I don't really think anyone feels all that bad for the Astros. Now, the Rangers, it's pretty crazy that they're in the World Series. I mean, two years ago, they had like 102 losses. Last year, I think they had nine above 90. They, they weren't good. Now they're in the World Series, so that is a pretty interesting story. I guess all the moves they made the past couple seasons really paid off for them. You know, bringing in Corey Seager uh, from the Dodgers, Marcus Simeon they picked up from the Jays, Jacob DeGrom they got, he is obviously hurt right now, but other pitchers like Max Scherzer and uh, Jordan Montgomery, I think they picked up both of them at the trade deadline this year, and those guys both pitched last night and uh, pitched pretty well, even though Scherzer's kind of been iffy in the playoffs congrats to the rangers i guess they're uh they're onto the world series and they will be playing the winner of the d-backs and the phillies tonight i'm taking the phillies there's something about the phillies i feel like they've got a certain type of like swagger to them i think bryce harper is just an absolute dog and kind of has that mentality of like he's locked in and focused and has the look of you know desire that he just has one goal in mind and that's to win it all and nothing's going to stop him. And I can't help but think that's just probably infectious on the team. And, I mean, my, we saw it last year. They uh, they kind of rode him to the uh, all the way to the World Series where they obviously eventually lost to the Astros. But, yeah, I like them tonight. I think the D-backs, it seems like the Diamondbacks are just here maybe a little too early. Like, I, f I feel like, I don't know, personally, it would just be a shock to me if the Diamondbacks were in the World Series. They only won... 84 games this year they got some young guys like Corbin Carroll Gabriel Moreno who I feel like maybe a couple years from now it would be less surprising but if they were to be in the World Series this year like I don't think anyone really would have predicted that at the beginning of the season for the World Series 
I'm going to, I mean, I'm obviously taking the Phillies to make it, and then I am taking the Phillies over the Rangers in six games in the World Series. I think they'll avenge last season's World Series loss with a W this year. Like I said, there's just like that, that aura around the team that you feel like, I mean, me personally, at least, I feel like everyone's going to step up from the pitching staff to the hitters and they'll, they'll win tonight and keep rolling through to the World Series. On to topic number two, we've got some of the early surprises to the NHL season. The Bruins are 5-0, and which is surprising. I mean, they set the win record last, or the point, I think it was the wins and points record last year. But I mean, they, they lost Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, their number one and two centers. So, I mean, are they like insanely good again? Or is this a, just a kind of a blip and a huge start? I mean, with the Bruins, I always tend to err on the side of, yeah, no, they're just going to be really good because they always are as much as I hate them. They seem to just be solid every year. Yeah, I would, I would say the Bruins are probably just good. Obviously, they're not going to go 82-0. and They're going to fall off the pace that they're on now, but uh, I think the Bruins are definitely going to make the playoffs, unfortunately. Different story for the Red Wings, who are 5-1. and one. I mean, I think most people thought they would suck. And they clearly aren't sucking. The question is really, is this sustainable? I would definitely lean no. I mean, the team is kind of playing out of their mind right now. Like, Dylan Larkin and Alex Debrinkit are playing like Drysdale and McDavid have been playing the last couple seasons. Um, Larkin has 11 points, Debrinkit has 12, which in my opinion definitely won't be sustained. Both of those guys, I would... I would think would be more in the like 70 to, you know, 82 point-ish per game type of guys. Not the pretty much two points per game that they're they're going at now. So, yeah, Red Wings, I think, are going to fall off the pace. Playoffs, I mean, maybe, but I, I still don't trust the Red Wings. To me, this is, just, this is just a hot start. It's kind of a similar deal with the Montreal Canadiens. They're 3-1-1. One, and one. But I still have them missing the playoffs. I mean, the roster just isn't great. I don't see them keeping this up for uh, for the whole season. I think they'll fall off the pace and be be back in the bottom 10, 10 teams in the league, honestly, by the end of the season. The Flyers have the same record as the Canadians, 3-1-1. One, one. They lead the Metro currently. Again, I, I just can't see a world where that keeps going. They've been playing well, but... I think other teams, you know, the Hurricanes, the Penguins, the Devils, those guys are going to start playing better and kind of jump up and and take over from the Flyers. The Oilers are kind of the opposite. They have started 1-3-1, which is very poor for, I mean, a team that I think a lot of people chose as their Stanley Cup champions at the beginning of the year. Yeah, 1-3-1, I don't see that being the norm. I think they'll figure it out. You have McDavid, Drysaddle, two of, in my opinion, the best four players in the world. I think the Oilers will be okay, and we'll get right back into the thick of things in uh, in the Pacific. The Kraken, on the other hand, are 1-4-1 and one right below the Oilers in the Pacific, and I think they might be in trouble. They overperformed a lot last year, and maybe... You know, is it wrong to say they let some of the noise get to their heads? I mean, they 
they were an expansion team, what, two two years ago? Like, last year was their second year. They beat the defending champion uh, Avalanche in the first round. And I think this could be a case of a, I mean, it's not a Super Bowl hangover, obviously, but maybe, a, you know, you kind of over-exceed and then rather than falling back to earth, you kind of fall back through the earth, if that is a saying or makes any sense. But yeah, I, th- I think the Kraken, I wouldn't be surprised if they missed the playoffs. The Pacific is all of a sudden sort of a deep uh, division, which is weird to say because it's kind of been the, the the weaker division in the NHL for the past few years. But yeah, Kraken and me are, uh, are in trouble down there. Okay, now on to our special segment number one. This is called Walk the Plank. Essentially what this is is each week I'll choose three teams or players or executives, entire leagues, whatever it may be. Three people who messed up bad, made a fool of themselves, made a fool of their team or league, um, and essentially they must go overboard and, and walk the plank. This week, first team to walk the plank in the history of Rock the Boat is the Buffalo Bills. The Bills lost 29-25 to the Patriots, pun not intended, but who seemed dead in the water. You know, there was talks of Mac Jones getting benched. He did get benched in the fourth quarter of of a couple games, despite what Bill Belichick said. And speaking of Belichick, his tenure has kind of been talked about as maybe coming to an end in New England. That's been all over the media lately. They were 1-5. The sky was kind of falling. And the Bills, who's supposed to be a great team, just let them win. I mean, I know it was it was at Gillette, but like Mac Jones threw for more yards than Josh Allen. The defense let the Pats march down the field with less than two minutes left and score a touchdown. I mean, I, I'm not super up to date on Mac Jones' stats, but I wonder how many you know, two-minute drills he's run successfully in his NFL career this year. I would I would assume it's probably none. So, yeah, because of that, Buffalo Bills, you guys are walking the plank. Similarly, the Detroit Lions, what are you doing? I mean, yeah, the Ravens are good, but 38-6, to are you kidding me? I'm not out on the Lions, per se, but I mean, they were the darlings of the NFL, right? Everyone was jumping on the bandwagon. Dan Campbell's just an absolute, quote, machine. He like he makes you want to cry every time he talks about football because of, you know, the passion he has for the game and seems like probably just about the most inspiring guy ever. And, I mean, it was an uninspiring performance from the Lions, right? Losing 38-6. Jared Goff and the offense have been playing great uh, throughout the first what is it, six, seven weeks of the season, you know, top 10 numbers in pretty much every offensive stat league-wide, and they just got absolutely outclassed by Lamar and the Ravens. The, the game was really over at ha- halftime, to be honest. It was 28 nothing Ravens at halftime, and that was a wrap. So, Detroit, you guys walked the plank this week. And lastly, for walk the plank, we have Pat Riley. Now, the president of the Miami Heat, Pat Riley, recently just claimed in a preseason press conference that his team had, quote, no interest in ever trading the guy, referring to Tyler Hero, which is absurd because everyone who follows the NBA at all knows that Hero was one of the main pieces involved in all of the theoretical Damian Lillard trades 
that we'd been hearing all summer, you know, Dame to Miami, Dame to Miami. Hero was going to be in that trade. So, I mean, to, to say you had no interest in ever trading him seems a little insane. And then, to be fair, he followed up the quote by saying, oh, but when you're talking about acquiring one of the top guys in the league, uh, there isn't anybody on our team that won't be discussed. Okay, but like, which one is it? Is it that everyone on the team is on the table or you had no interest in ever trading the guy? Because to me, those two things kind of contradict each other. Personally, I think we all know which one it was. But, I mean, to say that, Pat Riley, walk the plank. We're now going to get into my NBA season predictions. The NBA season starts tonight. Again, this is being recorded on October 24th. So by the time you guys hear it, a few games will have happened already. But uh, this is before all of the games started. So firstly, we're going to go for my finals matchup. I have a rematch, actually, of two years ago, the final between the Celtics and the Warriors. I think the Celtics, you know, getting Drew Holiday is huge for them. I think they have probably the best defensive backcourt in the league with uh, Holiday and Derek White. And then you have two elite wings in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I mean, I think people are kind of forgetting that they got Kristaps, you know, right after the season. But I mean, if he stays healthy, and that's a big if, but if he stays healthy, this team is going to be an an absolute problem for the league. I'm really high on the Celtics this year. And then from the West, I've got the Warriors. This one is more of a hot take, I feel like, than the Celtics. But you know what? Who cares? I think the Warriors are, you know, they probably have one year, maybe two more years of, you know, really thinking they can contend, and in my opinion, contending, obviously. And um, I think they're going to take advantage of it. I think they're going to figure out the Chris Paul situation. Either they're going to learn, figure out how to use him, and he's going to be really effective for them, or they are going to figure out how to use him, and then flip him for some other assets that maybe fit the team better at the trade deadline. I could really see either, but overall, I I think the Warriors are going to have a great season, and uh, they're going to be a problem for anyone who they match up with in the playoffs. As far as the actual finals going, I got a reverse of what happened two years ago. I think the Celtics went in six this time. I just think that this Celtics team is scary, man. It's scary. They've got the, the perimeter guys to throw at Steph, They've got the the wing guys to take control of the games. You know, I I think the Celtics are firmly my pick to win the NBA championship. Now, MVP. This is a a bit of a hot take, I guess, but I think he's kind of a a sexy pick right now. Uh, I like Shea out of OKC. I think a lot of people probably might not think that OKC is going to have a good enough record for him to warrant, you know, serious consideration. But I, I believe in the team. Personally, I think they're going to be a top five seed in the West, which is loaded this year. But I think they're going to be top five. And I think it's going to be in large part because of him. You know, obviously they have other guys, both Jalen Williams's, Chet Holmgren coming in as a rookie, even though he's already spent, you know, a year with the benefit of, of being in an NBA environment. Josh Giddy. They've got a lot of young guys who I think can all, quite frankly, make jumps. And, and yeah, I like OKC. Top five seed in the West, Shea, MVP. Rookie of the year. I'm taking Scoot Henderson. 
most people are probably thinking Victor, Victor, especially after he had a great preseason, as did Chet Holmgren, to be honest. But I think I really believe that that the Spurs are probably going to limit Victor's minutes or games, I guess you could say. I think they're going to be really careful with him because at the end of the day, this year and a rookie of the year trophy is not the end goal for them. They're trying to build a dynasty with, you know, arguably the greatest prospect of all time. And then as far as Czech goes, like I said, I think OKC has a lot of guys who deserve and warrant touches on that team. So I'm not sure if his numbers are going to be all the way there. Whereas Scoot playing on that Portland team, I think he's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. I think he'll be allowed to make mistakes and work through them. And I think he'll end up putting up some decent numbers. Defensive player of the year. Give me Evan Mobley. I think the Cavs are going to be great defensively again. Pretty sure they were number one in defensive rating in the regular season last year. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're up there in the top three again this year. And it'll be in large part thanks to Mobley and his versatility. I mean, he can alter shots pretty much as well as anybody. And he also has the quickness and mobility to to guard a lot of guys out on on the wings. So I think Mobley, this will be, uh, be his year. Sixth man, I've got Gary Trent Jr. I think Toronto is going to struggle mightily to score the ball with the spacing that their starting unit has. And that's going to offer a lot of minutes to Trent off the bench, who, you know, is kind of the one guy on that team that really just specializes on on putting the ball in the basket. I think Trent fits that mold best. And I honestly think it's kind of a perfect situation for him to to come in and pour in 17, 20 points per game on, on some solid shooting numbers. So sixth man of the year, Gary Trent Jr. Most improved, I'm going to go with Mikael Bridges. I think what he showed at the end of last season wasn't a fluke with Brooklyn. You know, I think everyone knows now he's more than a... Th- 3 and D guy, and and he's probably going to put up some solid numbers. Mikael Bridges, I think, has uh, as good a shot at anyone, as anyone at the uh, MIP. Coach of the year, I'm going Mark Dagnall of the OKC Thunder. As you know, I expect the Thunder to have a big year. Top five seed in the West, to me, given where I've seen people putting OKC, if he gets there, I think that'll be enough for him to to get the award or at least be in the consideration. And now for our second special segment, we have sink or swim. For this, it's pretty much what it sounds like. I'll be looking at some of the teams in the NBA who made big moves this offseason, deciding whether or not they're going to sink, which essentially means underperform, or swim, which means overperform. Starting with the East, Milwaukee Bucks, this might be a hot take, but I'm taking sync for them. I uh, I honestly think the Bucks sort of shot themselves in the foot, to be honest, by trading Drew for Dame. I mean, undoubtedly, that makes them better. But Drew, and they couldn't have known this, but Drew then going to the Celtics is, to me, just... I'm not even sure that's worth the trade-off because now you have Drew, Derek White, bodies to throw at Damian Lillard. And, and I think, to be honest, the Celtics match up really well now with the Bucs. So I'm, I'm saying sync for the Bucs. I think they'll have a, you know, a great regular season. I expect them to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. But to me, that's anything other than a championship for them is, 
is underperforming or at least making the finals. The Celtics, on the other hand, I picked them to win everything. So obviously, swim. Like I said, I think Drew, Derek White, the early addition of Kristaps, hopefully another step for Jason Tatum as he kind of enters into his prime prime. Uh, Jalen Brown maybe learned to dribble with his left hand. I doubt it, but, you know, hopefully he won't need it on a loaded Celtics team. So I'm taking swim for the Celtics. I think they're going to be an unbelievable team this year. The 76ers, this is an easy one. Sink, they have a James Harden-sized ankle weight pulling them down. They are going to sink. And I'm talking James Harden ankle weight when he's trying to get out of Houston. Like, that's a big number. So, Sixers, I mean, they're kind of in shambles right now. That whole situation's insane. They got the looming threat of Embiid leaving. So, sink for the Sixers. I also kind of just wanted to throw the Pistons in here just because they didn't really make a huge move, but they are getting Cade Cunningham back. And I think he's going to take a a huge leap from where he was his rookie season. I mean, he missed pretty much all of last season. So I just wanted to put it on the record that I think they're going to outperform their expectations, i.e. swim. And yeah, I mean, I don't expect them to go on a postseason run or anything, but you know, I think most people are still kind of putting them towards the bottom of the East. And I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they made a run at the play in or uh, maybe even snuck into an eight seed. On to the West. Warriors, obviously, swim for the Warriors. I have them in the finals. I think they're going to make it work with Chris Paul, and that's pretty much all they need. Jonathan Kaminga had a huge preseason. I mean, that is preseason, to be fair, but, hey, the guy was one of the the leaders in the league in scoring in preseason, so if they can get, you know, anywhere near that from him in the regular season, that'll be huge from them and just, just help their case. The Lakers, to me, are an interesting one. I think they will eventually swim. I think they'll maybe be treading water for a while in the regular season. But come playoffs, I like the moves they made in the offseason. I think LeBron is still one of the guys I would least like my team to face in the playoffs. Just because it seems like he always comes through. And being a Raptors fan, he tortured me for many years. So, Lakers are an interesting one. Treadwater, swim eventually. Phoenix, with their newfound big three of KD, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. This was a tough one for me. I went back and forth. I ultimately think they're going to sink kind of maybe the opposite of the Lakers. I think they'll be solid in the regular season. But I I just can't help but shake the feeling that that it's just not going to work. I'm not sure that it's going to fit. You know, the three ball-dominant guys, they don't really have a a playmaker in terms of, you know, just calming it down and setting up shots for other guys. I think it's going to be a lot of iso ball. And eventually, I just think over a, a seven-game series, like, that that's, gonna, that's not going to work. That's not going to win you a championship. So I think they'll, they'll sink eventually. Well... That is all for today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed listening. I'll be back next week to talk some more sports. In the meantime, happy Halloween to everyone, and thank you for listening to Rock the Boat.